Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Good morning, good afternoon, depending where you are, and welcome to the show today. This is Joyce Bender, and I have to send a special shout-out to my friend, Yoshiko Dart. Yoshiko, keep leading on. Keep changing lives. We all love you. Um, And, you know, I also have to thank Highmark for being the lead sponsor of this show. I mean, what a great company they are. They are a leader in the employment of people with disabilities. And over time, we've had other sponsors such as Covestro and AudioEye, and I certainly appreciate every company that stands behind us. Now today, as everyone knows, because you've seen this all over social media, I am so excited about this show, so excited to have a guest today that I believe is leading the way nationally as a great disability rights leader, a great educator, and a civil rights leader for people from the deaf community. I think so highly of him. I know him, and I can tell you he's a wonderful man. I'd like to welcome you to the show, Dr. Jerry Buckley. How are you? Fine, and thank you, Joyce, for that wonderful introduction. I'm very honored to be joining you today and very appreciative of uh, the opportunity to talk about NTID. Well, NTID, so you all know this, I am honored to be on their national advisory group. And you know what? It's one of the best universities and one of the best organizations I'm involved with. So that, too, is my honor. You know what, Dr. Buckley? A lot of people really don't get it about what it's like to grow up deaf in the United States um, and some of the barriers or obstacles that you have to deal with. But So I thought, let's start with you. What was it like for you growing up deaf? in the United States? Well, that's a good question. I'm part of the pre-IDEA generation, pre-ADA generation, and pre-504 generation. So essentially I was more involved in um, advocating for the civil rights, both for 504 regulations back in the 70s and then with ADA in the 80s. And I have the pleasure right now of watching many of these civil rights uh, that were fought for being fully implemented with changes. And so there's a lot more positive things going on. I can't think of a better time to be deaf or to be disabled in this nation's history than today when there are so many rights that people have to access. For myself, um, prior to the federal laws that assured access for deaf and hard of hearing students, most of us basically read our way through high schools and through elementary schools, and there weren't rights, there weren't, uh, there weren't IEPs guaranteed, and so we struggled. We struggled, and often um, we, uh, we were frustrated, our parents were frustrated, and I was very fortunate when taking a driver's test that it just happened that the driver, the person who gave the test, talk, told me about a special college called NTID at Rochester Institute of Technology. And that was where I really came to a campus that was fully accessible, where I could understand and be understood 24-7. And this college just enriched my life as a student back in the 70s in the, um, to a point where I had the opportunity to be involved in everything and uh, grew tremendously while I was here. I had a progressive sensory neural loss, so I speak. Um, I, I'm very fortunate in that it was progressive in that uh, every year was just a little bit more of a loss and I had to make those adjustments and I was very fortunate to find a place like NTID in my late teenage years when I was searching for a sense of identity and culture and really found myself at home within the deaf community and within NTID. So. I consider myself to be very, very fortunate to be benefiting from many of the things 
that have many of the laws and the rules and the opportunities that have been advocated for by leaders in our field in the disability rights movement. Well, you certainly lived through it and, and saw all those great changes that came about that really just changed everything for people with disabilities, people who are deaf with with captioning, uh, you know, I always tell people, you go to a restaurant or to a bar and you see captioning and you just take it for granted and don't realize what that all started for. Um, and, and like so many things that became uh, accessible that people without disabilities use. Uh, but I, I do have one other question. When did you learn sign language? I'm, I'm like many individuals. I actually learned American Sign Language here at NTID, where we have m numerous opportunities for learning. Uh, I hadn't been exposed to it before then, and so I came to the campus, and it became an opportunity to learn another language and to find myself within a culture and community here. So I was very fortunate during my late teen years and early college years to be, have the opportunity to learn ASL here. Yeah. You know what's interesting is what you said about learning ASL at NTID. I know so many people that I've met who are deaf that did not learn sign language until they went to NTID, and it was either a, they had no access to this at school. Maybe they were, uh, you know, one of or two of the only people who were deaf. Or B, their parents were opposed to it. I, I can't tell you how many people I've met from the deaf community who tell me just what you said, that they learn ASL when they go to NTID. Yes, and, and um, there's pros and cons to that. Um, I think today there is more universal acceptance and recognition of the value of ASL in the general community, and we, we know that every hearing parent now who has a child is trying to encourage their hearing child to learn, to learn ASL so their language skills and communication improve. And so I'm, I believe strongly that something we should be offering deaf and hard of hearing children also as a means of visual communication. And I respect parents' rights to um, that's not necessarily agree with that, but from my own personal experience and from raising a daughter who's also deaf, um, I believe in the value of that, that visual communication and making sure that that's always going on. Plus, they are teaching uh, children that have other disabilities sign language. And it is amazing how that has helped so much with the improvement of uh, communication. So I'll just tell you, I have hired and found employment for many fabulous students from NTID, and the more companies they went to, the more people signed up for classes to learn ASL. And at some of the companies like Highmark, they could not accommodate everyone in the first uh, set of classes that so they had to schedule another. And that really makes me so happy. Oh, sure. Here at the National Technical Institute for the Deaf, I realize I've been using an acronym without saying it out loud, but we the acronym is NTID at Rochester Institute of Technology. We have more than 27 sections of American Sign Language being taught each semester. It's, um, it's the number one um, language that everyone is requesting on the campus, both formally in credit classes and informally. So I think we've seen a growing recognition since the 1970s of the value of ASL for, you know, for deaf children and deaf individuals, and NTID has been very, very supportive of encouraging the learning of ASL and encouraging um, the growth and awareness of deaf culture within the American community, all while we stay focused on our primary mission, which is basically to enhance the employment and the career success of deaf people. And we measure ourselves by that famous metric of placement statistics. And we, we're very focused on making sure that our placement rate remains at about the 94% level each year. 
and we track all of our graduates each year. We recently had 370 graduates walk across stage, and um, we track them for one year and work with their employers to make sure that we are confirming that they actually are employed and they're giving back to the American economy for what they've received in the form of employment. Well, um, and I think that is so outstanding. You, you know, we haven't probably, I haven't asked you enough about the National Technical Institute for the Deaf uh, and also its affiliation with uh, Rochester Institute of Technology. So I know you serve Dr. Buckley as the president of NTID, but you also serve as a vice president and dean at RIT. So how about if we start with uh, explain to everyone what NTID is, what it offers, um, and also the affiliation with RIT. Sure, sure. We, NTID is one of two federally funded programs that's part of the Education of the Deaf Act, and it's located at Rochester Institute of Technology, which is a private institution of higher education located in Rochester, New York. And part of the mandate when, when NTID, when the legislation was passed back in 1965 to establish a National Technical Institute for the Deaf at a mainstream program, there was a really a requirement that our college be within the campus of a host institute of a mainstream here in campus. And RIT applied to become the host of NTID. So we're a fully integrated, mainstreamed opportunity here in that we have, we're one of the nine colleges of RIT. RIT serves approximately 16,000 students on the campus, and 1,300 of them are deaf and hard of hearing who, call, who come from all over the country and um, are from all walks of life, all social economic uh, statuses and also all types of backgrounds. About 70% of our students are from mainstream programs, and most of them were probably the only deaf or hard of hearing student at their high school. And so many of them don't know sign language. They, don't, they haven't had the opportunity to live in what might be called a deaf culture environment. And so we welcome them to our campus. We also believe strongly in allowing deaf and hard of hearing people to write to make decisions about their communication preferences. So while we strongly encourage the learning of sign language as, in, as a language to help them, um, not only in communication but for socialization purposes, we don't require it. So we do have students who come here and major, spend three or four years here on the campus majoring in engineering or computer science, and they may only um, be involved in the deaf community or in sign language on a very limited basis. All of our students are primarily focused on their careers here, and that's really what um, we really pride ourselves in, our strong career orientation. All of our students are required to do a cooperative education program where they go out and they get work experience and again, we pride ourselves on the fact that students have spent time in real jobs, in real work situations, contributing not only to the company, but learning so they can come back and improve their skills before they go out for permanent placement. Well, that is unbelievable. Um, what, so is there a breakdown between people, students who are deaf, students who are hard of hearing, uh, what would you say is the breakdown? Um, the, the label of deaf versus hard of hearing, I think, is, a, is almost uh, a sociological label that people give to themselves. Uh, many of the students, you know, if many of the students will come here and might call themselves hard of hearing and after six months of studying and learning they may be comfortable with the so-called label of deaf. We don't break it down that way. All, most of our students, the average student has a profound hearing loss. At the same time we have 400 students now with cochlear implants, many of whom are functionally hard of hearing. 
So we just continue to, to work with and welcome and serve the diversity of deaf and hard of hearing students who make up the American community, the American population, and welcome all of them and try to make sure that the support services that we offer them, whether it be sign language interpreting, captioning, or FM services, that they're designed to be responsive to their educational needs. And you have a, before you tell us about some of the programs, you also have a fabulous admissions group where there are students that go meet with the parents of people thinking of going to NTID, I mean, that meet with the parents and the students and tell them what it's like and take them on a tour, which I heard some of them speak at our meeting. Um, What impact have you seen from that? Well, as you might imagine, with over 70%, really over 85% of deaf and hard of hearing children now mainstreamed in K through 12, they're dispersed throughout the nation and the world. And so our recruiters have to do quite a bit of traveling. Each year we visit 400 to 450 high school programs throughout the nation. And they're available in all 50 states. They travel here. Uh, they travel from Rochester to those states and regularly meet with parents and uh, educators, school counselors. In addition, we have a very active visitation program. We encourage all students in prospective parents and students to come visit us and spend some time on our campus. So we have um, visitation schedules that are tailored to individuals where we have our student ambassadors from a number of states and backgrounds also lead these tours. And some of those ambassadors, Joyce, you've heard basically present to the National Advisory Group, and they're a marvelous group of student representatives. We want all of our students, all of our prospective students and parents, to the greatest degree possible to have the opportunity to come to the campus, see our programs, see how we do our business here, and see whether or not our hype matches up to the reality, our reality matches up to the hype of our wonderful marketing people who do a great job promoting our institute. Um, I'm very proud of the fact that we have over 8,500 graduates who have come here from all over the country, and they're in careers that even 10 years ago you wouldn't have thought would be um, necessarily have a high representation of deaf professionals. And I think this is really important right now because as we in the disability rights field are talking about how do we bridge the employment gap and the pay gap and how do we, you know, as we're out in Silicon Valley and we're talking about diversity, we know that disabled individuals are not experiencing the same success in the STEM careers that we would like. And so we're working with companies to educate them about the skills of our graduates, but we're also making sure that our students here are developing the skills, particularly in the STEM careers, that's the science, technology, engineering, and math, so that they can go out and compete for jobs in the American workforce. So we, we have companies as diverse as Apple, IBM, Tesla, uh, Cisco, here on a regular basis contacting us, interviewing our students, offering them co-op and placement opportunities, and then we're always reaching out to individuals like yourself and other individuals who are involved in the employment sector, letting them know about who we are and how we can work with them. Our job is really to help the American workforce really take advantage of the skills of our graduates. And what are some of those programs? What are some of the uh, academic programs for students? We, we, are very, we have over 230 majors here at RIT, but primarily the heavy academic programs are in the science, technology, engineering, and math. And we offer programs from the associate degree all the way from the associate degree all the way up to PhDs. The associate degree programs, three of them, for example, would be the lab science technology program, which is very much a CSI type of program where students learn hands-on technical, the ability to, to navigate all and to handle and manage all those very sophisticated computer programs that we see on CSI, on TV, 
Our graduates have hands-on experience with that technology and experience. We have our computer science programs, and our mobile app is the latest program that we've just brought online, uh, basically preparing students to develop and maintain mobile apps. We are always in the business also of looking at what's coming down the road. So we're looking at programs in the engineering sciences areas, such as uh, medical lab tech, uh, medical equipment uh, repairs. Uh, but right now, each year we have 300 to 370 students graduate. They're coming primarily from the STEM careers, as well as from a limited number of business and uh, art, as well as some a very small liberal arts program in the area of psychology, primarily in public policy. Well, before we go to break, I just want to say to all of our listeners, you know, if I went to college and everyone spoke a different language than I did, uh, Chinese, French, whatever it would be, and I had to parse out, you know, what was going on, and I was able to, uh, but not at 110%. Uh, and what I'm saying here to parents of children who are deaf, on one hand, you may say, oh, I, I want them to go to a college. I don't want them to go to a college uh, for the deaf. But I am here to tell you that at this school, they will get 110%. They will understand everything. But in addition, it really does something for your identity and your ego when you realize you aren't alone, you aren't isolated, um, it, it really has a big impact. So if you're listening to the show, NTID, I highly endorse this college. You need to think about that if you have a child who is deaf, and at least go visit before any decisions are made. Right now, we're going to go to break. If you just joined us, we've been talking to the president of the National Technical Institute for the Deaf, Dr. Buckley. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high-test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. Hi, I'm Rick Harrison from Pawn Stars. I'm here to talk to you about the Epilepsy Foundation. I had bad seizures until I was a teenager. I thought I wouldn't have a chance to grow up, but I dared to think differently. My epilepsy taught me to be a fighter. When I said I wanted to make a TV series about my pawn shop, people thought I was nuts. But I dared to defy the odds, and Pawn Stars was born. If you have epilepsy, dare to live your fullest potential. The Epilepsy Foundation will help you dare. Visit epilepsy.com. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back everyone. I am talking to... Dr. Gerard Buckley, the president of the National Technical Institute for the Deaf in Rochester, New York. And when we went to break, 
I was asking Dr. Buckley about some other programs, and he was telling me about these camps. Do you want to talk about that, Dr. Buckley? I sure do. Thank you very much. Um, Each summer, the campus becomes alive with hundreds of young, deaf, and hard-of-hearing students from all over the country who come. And again, our goal is to encourage young people to think about careers and the preparation for careers that they might not be thinking about when they're younger. So, for example, we have a summer camp called we call Girls Tech Z, which is designed to encourage young girls in 6th through 8th grade to think about the possibility of going into STEM careers and technological careers. And it's led by deaf and hard of hearing women who are themselves in those STEM careers and are involved in technology. We also have our summer Explore Your Future program, which is for students who are in sophomores and juniors in high school, and they're not quite sure where they want to go or what they want to do, and they need some guidance. And so we offer a week-long career sampling experience for them, as well as social experience, to help them think about what they want, you know, what careers they want to pursue, what the support is, such as vocational rehabilitation agencies, um, and how they might apply for that support to continue their education. This year, we also, for our second year in a row, we're trying to encourage deaf and hard of hearing individuals to think about careers in the healthcare sciences area, and so we're hosting a healthcare sciences camp specifically for deaf and hard of hearing youth who are interested in healthcare sciences. And again, it's led by deaf doctors, hard of hearing nurses, individuals in healthcare careers who are role models. So all those all of that information can be found on our website at www.ntid.rit.edu. And if you click that on and you go to NTID, it will take you to the summer camp section and there'll be information there about applying for summer camps. We also have very generous financial aid and scholarships available for financially needy individuals. We encourage everyone to consider taking advantage of those pre-college experiences. Wow, that sounds great. And that is also a great socialization. uh, And you know what? Also, building up, as we should with all young people with disabilities, that I can do what anyone else does. You know, raising the bar, not lowering the bar. Um, So... Correct. enables parents and families to, if they haven't thought about or planned or been involved as actively as they would like to be in the individualized transition planning, we help them to think about that. We give them templates. We help them to think about what they need to be preparing for in terms of going for financial aid and in terms of interacting with vocational rehabilitation in their individual states. So it's a marvelous opportunity for the students. We also offer during those sessions opportunities for the parents to meet with our professionals and learn about that same kind of information. Um, I wanted to, I brought up something for parents or young people who are deaf uh, listening to this show today, which, by the way, the show is open captioned. And as I was uh, stating... I wanted to go back to your opinion for someone listening to the show. What difference does it make uh, going to a university for the deaf versus another that is not specifically for the deaf if you are a young person right now from the deaf community? That's an excellent question. We now have federal federal laws. Um, mandating access, and that's wonderful, any, any young, deaf, or hard of hearing individual to go to any university in the United States. And we use the expression here that RIT is the best of both worlds, that you can come here and find yourself in your career as a, as a student within a large university, but also you can get involved in the deaf community here and kind of find a sense of identity through the deaf community and through your interactions with deaf and hard of hearing peers. 
I'd like to just to point out, I'm, I'm a graduate of three different universities, and I worked at a mainstream community college for about a decade. And while each of the experiences I had at a mainstream university were marvelous, the opportunities to socialize, the, the times after classes that are so important to learning, and um, we learn a lot, you know, when you sit down with the student government and you have a debate about politics or you're involved in the, stu- in the student varsity sports or the intramural sports, those are all opportunities for social learning and the development of soft skills. And unfortunately, in most situations where you are the only deaf student or one of a handful of deaf students on a university's campus, they just simply cannot provide the kind of access that we do here on our campus. So our students are involved. Um, We had 27 students involved in varsity sports this year. Uh, We had several hundred involved in intramural sports. The vice president of our RIT, university-wide student government, is an environmental science student major who is deaf, and he was elected on a platform related to sustainability. Um, He just is a marvelous young individual. He's doing his co-op now working, uh, I think, on the West Coast in the area of sustainability. And so all of, these, all of these experiences happen every day where young, deaf, and hard of hearing students not only have full access in the classroom, but more importantly, they have access to information outside the classroom. And that's so very, very, very important during our college years when we're coming to a sense of identity and learning who we are and what our values are and where we fit in the world. And unfortunately, for many of our deaf and hard of hearing youth, um, a lot of this information over the years simply hasn't been made accessible. And so many of us have experienced sitting in the lunchroom and not understanding what people were saying at the table and acting like we understood. Or many of us have experienced going to the prom and uh, acting like we understood what our friends were saying at the prom. And so coming to a place like RIT where you don't have to fake it anymore, where you basically have the opportunity to have everything captioned or interpreted or signed or communicated in a way that you understand it, fills in a lot of the social gaps that are missing and it's so important. And that's why you run into a lot of alumni who talk about NTID being their second home because this is where they found themselves. This is where they filled in those social gaps. This is where they came to a sense of identity as a deaf or hard of hearing person. And we're very proud that we provide that opportunity for them here. And I would assume they make a lot of friends that they can continue having a relationship, you know, once they leave NTID, which again is part of life, having friends, you know, from your own community. That's absolutely correct. Um, I like to think I have 8,722 friends. Um, my wife accuses me of that on Facebook, but basically <laughs> the alums in the community here are very, very close to one another. And, Joyce, you see that when you visit here. There's a special sense of family and community and pulling together and supporting one another which is just very, very important because when they graduate from here, they've been here maybe three years or five years, depending on on what degree. I'm going to tell everyone something. Uh, Dr. Buckley is the most caring person. He takes everything so serious that comes from the students. I don't care what it is. He'll send out something to all of us on the group to get our impact, he gets back to the students. I mean, you couldn't have a better leader uh, than him as the president. So you're right. It is like a family. There's no question about it. So for your students that aren't at NTID, what would you say are their main obstacles or barriers uh, today? Would you say it is employment? What do you think it is? 
I think the biggest barrier remains attitudinal barriers. And those of us who have a hearing loss or deaf or hard of hearing, we know that too often, or anybody who's different who may have a disability, we know that often um, general society uh, makes erroneous assumptions about our abilities and the emphasis is on our disability as opposed to our abilities. And so there's still a lot of attitudinal barriers out there that we have to continually educate people that, um, that to be deaf or to be hard of hearing is, you know, certainly a, uh, the communication issues are there and we work through those issues and the technology is amazing now. I mean, with things like automatic speech recognition, um, with things like interpreting uh, with uh, highly skilled interpreters with remote access, there's just many ways that some of the communication difficulties are overcome if the attitudinal barriers kind of are diminished and people will give deaf and hard of hearing individuals an opportunity to uh, participate in the activity or the employment opportunity. So I'm still big on we have to continue our education of the general society. And uh, we have to make sure that we are educating um, all of our leaders, including our political leaders, about the importance of this educational effort. Uh, many of we know that many of our uh, leaders in society have not necessarily been exposed to um, disabilities or lived with a disability. But as as the size, as as ADA is is uh, making an impact on the lives of people, we also know that there is a generation of individuals who have been exposed, and they're going to be the leaders of tomorrow and we want them to be firmly committed to the civil rights of individuals with disabilities. And that's why it's important all of us be actively engaged politically and in our communities to make sure that we let the community know that we expect equal access for everyone, including citizens with disabilities. Well, um, you know, I always tell people the, the barrier, as you just said, is not buildings, it's attitude, it's stigma. And that is what has to come down. You know, people, I have hired people with disability, uh, who are deaf. Actually, someone works in my office from NTID. But I've found employment for many people in technology. And they are, without a doubt, some of the best employees. They've been promoted. Uh, they're doing a great... You just have to get it out of your mind. You have to look at the person's ability and their skills, no matter what the disability would be. So, Dr. Buckley, listeners to the show today, especially high school graduates uh, who want long-term to get employment, what would your message be to them? Why would you recommend NTID? There's, I, I would recommend NTID because there's not a better place in the world to come and to find yourself as an individual as well as to pursue a career path that will sustain you moving forward. And we're very focused here. Sometimes maybe I think a little too focused on the careers, but we basically we measure ourselves in the success of our efforts by whether or not you leave here fully prepared to enter the American workforce and compete for jobs on an equal basis with your peers. And there's not a better place that does it here. So whether you sign, you use American Sign Language or you don't, whether you call yourself deaf or you call yourself hard of hearing, whether you're male or female, whether you're interested in technology or interested in the arts, there's kind of a place for everyone here that we welcome. Um, I, I strongly encourage, particularly with the cost of higher education, with all of the concern in the United States about the cost of higher education continuing to increase, I encourage parents and students to ask a lot of questions about the outcome of the program you're participating in. If you go to that college, will there be, um, will there be a placement rate? What kind of careers are those individuals settling into? What are the opportunities? What have they done there? One other thing that we do very actively on your campus, Joyce, that I know you're familiar with, we have an NTID Center on Employment, and we have eight full-time placement specialists who are out all the time doing employer development. 
those those uh, employment advisors also work very company very closely with companies, and we offer a workshop called Working Together. And I would encourage any company that may be curious or interested in how they might be prepared to place or employ a deaf individual or a hard of hearing individual in their company to contact our website again. That's www.ntid.rit.edu. And if you type in placement there, our placement center will pop up in we're very responsive to employers who want to learn how they can best prepare for individuals hiring or offering a co-op opportunity for deaf and hard of hearing individuals. As a matter of fact, we just finished our 1,000th uh, Working Together workshop. And that Working Together workshop offers not only the opportunity for hearing individuals to come and learn about how to most effectively engage deaf workers, but it also allows deaf workers from that company to come and share their perspectives. So it's a very positive learning experience for everyone involved. And I think that also helps to overcome the myth that many employers may feel about the cost of access services being somewhat um, overwhelming. Uh, in most of our research with our employees and then our graduates, the cost of providing accommodations is very limited and there are many ways to use technology so that communication can happen on the workplace that won't be a threat to the bottom line for the employer. Well, I agree with everything you're saying, and I just want to one more time encourage our listeners. If you go visit this school, you will see how fabulous it is. And let me say something. It's not about charity. It's not about pity. It's about equal treatment and getting good career opportunities, and that's the way it is at NTID and RIT. So you really need to look into this. Uh, university. You know, something I forgot to bring up. Oh, I have to bring this up. I want you to tell our listeners about our stamp, the Robert Panera stamp. Thank you very much for reminding me of that. Dr. Robert Panera was the first deaf faculty person here at Rochester Institute of Technology, and he came here from our sister institute in Washington, D.C., and uh, worked with our director to establish NTID back 50 years ago. We'll soon be celebrating our 50th anniversary. Dr. Pinero was a Shakespeare expert and a professor in the literature and the arts. He was also the founder of our English department and the founder of our theater department. And the United States Post Office, in honor of his service, uh, just issued a stamp, which is um, which is available through the post office, and you'll see on that stamp a beautiful um, picture of Dr. Panera signing the word respect, which I think is critically important today in American society and in higher education where there's so much controversy. But here on this campus, we really do respect and continue to value the respect for the diversity of opinions that exist within our student and faculty and, um, and staff community here. And we insist that everyone's view and everyone's values be respected. And we were very thrilled to have a ceremony here on the campus last month attended by several hundred individuals where this stamp was, uh, we did an unveiling of the stamp and we celebrated, and, um, and we're just very, very pleased to see Dr. Panera recognized. He's a shining example of one of our outstanding faculty members who is very dedicated to the success of our students. Oh, I'm so excited about this. I am so excited. Robert Panera, to have that as a U.S. Postage stamp signing Respect. Oh, that is so good, too. That is so great. You've got to get these stamps. I mean, they are just, they are priceless. And they everyone, are. everyone was so excited at NTID. Well, we, 
We deeply appreciate, um, and I, I tell people that probably it's very appropriate for me to mention this in light of all of the discussion of federal programs and federal dollars. We are a federally funded program, and the United States Congress and the administration has been very supportive of us, and we're a federal program that works, and we track not only the placement, but we follow our graduates over their careers. And so we have a study that we do with the Social Security Administration and with Cornell University where we basically track the earnings of all of our graduates going back over 50 years. And one thing we can tell you is that our graduates earn 98% more than their peers, their deaf and hard of hearing peers who go up at the associate level who go to other universities and they bachelor's degree graduates earn 178% more than their peers who may go to a hearing university elsewhere. So this is another compelling reason for why parents and students should consider RIT as their educational choice. And it's also another reason why we're deeply appreciative of the support of the federal government and Congress and the President for continuing our educational program. Yes, we all are. And you know what? Um, like, can people get in touch with their senator or congressman and say how important they think this is? I, we always welcome. We always welcome, and we maintain very close um, educational contacts with the members of Congress. Um, and individual citizens should feel free to let their congressional members know how much they appreciate the opportunity to have a National Technical Institute for the Deaf serving deaf and hard of hearing people from throughout the nation. We continue to emphasize we're not a charity. We're an investment in young people who are going to be returning to the federal treasury through their tax dollars and through their contributions to the American economy for the investment that the American people make in them through supporting NTID. Yeah, and I just want to say about that, we, we sit back and we'll say, oh, that's so important. Oh, yeah, we should do that. Oh, that's a wonderful thing. But you know what? You have to act on it. Don't just talk about it. Contact your congressman and senator and say how important you believe this is. So, Dr. Buckley, wow, you've already accomplished so much in your life already, but if you had to say what you consider as your greatest accomplishment, what would that be? Um, I wouldn't, Joyce. Um, it, this really isn't about me. Uh, I came and accepted this job. I, I found, I'm one of those graduates who uh, came here and found myself, and I've always been appreciative for what I've received here. I felt so strongly about it when I had a deaf daughter. I wanted to return here because I wanted her to have the same experience. And so for me, this is all about giving back. This is, this is paying back for what I received. And I think I have the best job in the world of serving some of the brightest young deaf people in the world here at NTID. So I'm very proud of the Institute, and I'm very honored to carry the mantle for a little while in my current role of leading NTID, and I'm deeply appreciative to the, I have the world's best faculty and staff who work here also. Um, they do all the hard work. They deserve all the praise for the accomplishments. I get to talk about it, but they actually do the work every day, and I'm honored to serve them. You know what they say, a great leader serves. That's you a great leader who serves. We're all blessed to have you, Dr. Buckley. We are, but you are that leader that serves. And um, I, I am very honored to know you uh, and to call you my friend. So, Dr. Buckley, what message would you like to leave with our listeners today? Um. I guess my message, particularly at this time in our nation's history, and with so much being discussed about engagement, um, I think all of us, all of us are somewhat uh, 
uncertain about the future and concerned about the future, and we may be tempted to become disillusioned. We may be tempted to become disengaged in the processes of change and political processes. My, I guess my advice would be, please don't. Please stay engaged. Please stand up for what you believe in. If you're a disability rights advocate, now is not the time to retreat. Now is the time to become re-energized and re-engaged. Uh, there's a lot of folks making decisions in government and outside of government. There's just a lot of folks every day making decisions that impact the lives of citizens with disabilities. And those of us who are educators and advocates, we can't give up our educational efforts. We have to continue to work 24-7 to make sure that the promises of ADA become reality in the future and that future generations of citizens with disabilities have access to the opportunities that our predecessors fought so, so hard for. So my message would really be don't give up, become engaged, become, follow the system, uh, learn the system, change the system if you have to, but first become engaged and don't, please, please, don't surrender to disillusionment or to not believing. This is a great country. It's provided a lot of opportunities for all of us, and it can be even greater if we all work together in that. What a great message. Well, Dr. Buckley, I so agree with you, and thank you for being our guest today. Thank you very much for the opportunity, and to your listeners, thank you again for listening, and know that we're a resource that stands ready to serve any of you at any time related to deaf education issues. Thanks again for your time. All right. Well, we end every show with a quote, and today that quote is a saying that this person said frequently, which is, the classroom is my stage, said the late great deaf educator, Robert Panera. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Join me next week as we talk to CEO of Stein Consulting, Joan Stein. Talk to you then. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.